Good morning, church. This is Laity Sunday, where worship is led by lay members of the church. Pastor Jeff, where are you? You said there you are. Pastor Jeff, thank you so much for all you do for the church and the community. And enjoy this brief hour where you get to observe. <laughs> Welcome visitors and those who continue to watch our service via social media. And thank you, Paul and Elaine, for greeting us this morning. Please record your presence in the registers that are in each pew. We're a busy, busy church, so here are a few announcements. The Men of Faith will meet on Monday, October 16th at 6 p.m. in room 16A and B in the Community Center. All men are invited to uh, join us, and pizza is served, so you don't have to bring any food. The Women United Circle will meet on Monday, October 16th at 1.30 p.m. in the parlor. The Dorcas Circle will meet on Tuesday, October 17th at 1 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall, room 15A. Again, all women are welcome to join in these groups. Another announcement, it's in your bulletin. Join Bishop Palmer on Thursday, October 19th at Faith Community United Methodist Church, not here, Westchester, at 6.30 p.m. as he travels to each district in the West Ohio Conference for the Grace Upon Grace Fall Tour. You also see in the bulletin there's a fall fun night on October 22nd, that's a Sunday from 5 o'clock to 7 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall for games, food, and fun. Food will be served at 5.30, and all are welcome to come and join the fellowship and festivities. Bring your friends. We're excited to announce the start of the Mar Mary and Martha gathering, the second Monday of every month, here at Faith Community in the Community Center. It's from 6 to 8 p.m. Our first gathering will be Monday, November 13th. Hashtag open to all. Hashtag child care provided. Hashtag potluck meals to share. Hashtag anonymous prayer concerns. And hashtag women encouraging supporting women. Join us, uh, join us there. And you can reach out to Lori or Barbara for additional information. We've been looking for a volunteer receptionist for Friday mornings, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Please prayerfully consider this opportunity to serve the church. Another thing we want to bring up is that a, the seminar of the Unbroke, uh, has been canceled. The Unbroken Circle Committee regrets to inform you that the advantages of estate planning Originally scheduled for Saturday, October 14th, it's been canceled, but it's going to be rescheduled. Please read more details about these announcements in the bulletin. Now, please prepare yourselves for worship.
Please rise for the call to worship. And let's give them an extra hand for the great job they're doing. Okay, I know we usually don't clap at that point, but I have an idea. Um, Because this call to worship has exclamation points in it. And my wife might be rolling her eyes right now because she knows she and I are... Our English teachers, and so an uh, exclamation point means that you actually have to, I mean, it's meant that it be shouted. And so this is, this, is a, this is an example where we learn the word praise. Praise is something maybe sometimes we can shout to the Lord in a worship. And so I'm going to do my best to, to raise my voice, and if you would like to, too. Praise the Lord. Proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord. The Lord is worthy of praise. Declare his honor and glory. Okay, the opening hymn. Please join me. The church is one foundation, 546. seated. Please join with me in the opening prayer. Holy God, we come before you this day with praise on our lips and songs of joy in our hearts. May we never forget who you are and who we are in you. 
when we abide in your kingdom and live to your glory, good triumphs over evil, love is stronger than hate, and truth wins the day. Focus our hearts and minds on things that are worthy of praise, and bless us with a peace that passes all understanding. Amen. Can the children come forward for our children's moment? Okay, we have we have two children. Thanks for coming up. I I have an idea of what I wanted to talk to about, but then I needed some help. And we are going to try to put someone on the spot in the audience, so I'm not going to put you on the spot. This is um, a vocab word, and they have to know the definition. Remember, I'm an English teacher. This is Laity Sunday, so I don't think the pastor is supposed to work. So someone else volunteer so the pastor doesn't have to give this definition. I actually don't exactly know what laity means, laity Sunday, and so I'm guessing you guys might not know what laity Sunday means. So what is our church's laity? Does anybody want to kind of describe that for us? Anybody have, any volunteers? What, who are some of our laity or, or what is, what does that entail on a church? And someone else besides the pastor would have to volunteer. We're going to take the mic to you. Anybody? Nobody? Laity. Who, is, who are some of the lay people in our church? All of us. Okay. Is there any lay leader? Who are the lay leaders in our church? Do we know or who are they? I, I don't know the answer to this, guys, so we're going to, we might be here all day. Does anybody know? Any volunteers? What? Our board. Okay, so we have leaders in our church. We have lay leaders in our church. And the laity of the church are all of us. So we are, we are leading this service so the pastor can, can hear and can take a day of rest um, today. So we are going to read a story about a time when God's people, the Israelites, um, their leader left. Their leader, their teacher, they, he left. He, Moses went up the mountain. He went up the mountain to talk to God, and they felt a little bit lost or scared. Is there a time in your life that you were lost or scared? Right, when, when your brothers got lost in the grocery store, um, who did you ask for help? Your parents. Good example. Did you ever feel lost or scared in your life? Ever. Ever feel scared? Can you give me an example? Or can you tell me who maybe you thought about asking when you were scared for help? You don't, you don't want to talk. Okay, that's fine. That is fine. So one example is... One example is we ask our parents, or sometimes we ask a teacher, um, and that is, that is kind of how we should feel when 
when uh, we might feel lost, we look out for a leader or our parents, and, and God is our father. God is our parent, and, and so we could reach out and talk to him. Now, sometimes we feel, sometimes we even feel lost and disconnected to God. Some people out in the world feel lost and disconnected to God. We as a church, or another word, the laity of the church, all of us, all of us can be leaders in actually God's voice in the world. If we see someone who needs help, we can reach out, and the church can, in a small way or a big way, be God, be God in the world. So think about that while we go through the story and we hear the sermon. We can be God's presence as the church in the world to help. So let's pray. Jesus, God, thanks for being there as our Father to help us when we feel lost or scared. We know others, and sometimes we feel lost and scared in this world. Please help us be you, be your presence and your voice in the world for those who feel lost and scared. And please remind us that if we feel lost or scared, we have a home here in the church. We have others in the church who can help us. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, here's some treats for the rest of the service. Grab a Rice Krispie treat or two. Okay, and please join us in Ferris Lord Jesus, the prayer hymn number 189.
Please bow your heads. God of freedom, we pray for our nation and all the nations of the world, for peace and unity across barriers of language, color, and creed, for elected and appointed leaders that they would serve the common good. Inspire all people with courage to speak out against hatred, to actively resist evil, unite the human family in bonds of love. Hear our prayers, holy God. Breathe your spirit over us and all the earth, that barriers would crumble and divisions cease. Make us more fully your co-healers of the broken world. Unite us with all people in bonds of love, that the whole earth and all its peoples may be at peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now we join together in the prayer taught to the disciples and the world by Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now as recipients of God's steadfast love and grace, let us offer gifts of gratitude in our tithes and our offerings. Will the ushers please come forward?
Please join in the prayer of dedication. God of steadfast love, your bounty knows no bounds. For the abundant gifts in our lives, we thank you. Receive the gifts we bring you this day and help us stay focused on things that are excellent and admirable, holy and just, righteous and pure. Amen. You may, you may be seated and, and, uh, for the scripture reading. Exodus chapter 32, 1 through 14. The golden calf. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come make gods for us. Who shall go before us? As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives and your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from the ear, their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took these from them, formed them in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made the proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have brought, they have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants." And they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. The word of God for the people of God. Amen.
Thank you so much. That made my heart happy. <laughs> um, as we've already learned a couple times in this ser- service today, today is Laity Sunday, and that means that Jeff's not preaching. <laughs> so you're stuck with me. Um, oh, I always have to take a big breath when I get up here. Jeff and I have been asked several times in our lives by God to, to make some transitions. And um, every time we move, for the, for the variety of reasons that we have, it always, you know, makes us feel insecure. One particular time in 2014, our lives drastically changed. We moved from Ashland, Ohio, the place that had been our home for about eight years at that time, to Deschler, Ohio. So we from northeast Ohio to northwest Ohio. Um, and Jeff was taking on his first role as pastor in a church. New home, new community, new job. We were walking into a lot of unknowns. The transition presented many challenges for us. For me in particular, um, well, for the past 20 years of that time frame, I had invested a great deal of time um, being a mom to my kids. Um, And I had invested about 14 years of my life in a career working in the church in lots of different various ministry roles. And now I found myself at a crossroads. Our youngest child was going off to college Um, and she wouldn't be moving to Deschler with us. We would be, as many call it, empty nesters. Who was I going to be now? I wasn't going to be employed by the church, at least not at this point. And my kids no longer needed me on a daily basis to meet their needs. I wasn't, I also wasn't too sure about this role of being the pastor's wife. No job, no purpose, no friends, no children. It was a scary time, and I wasn't sure how I was going to manage it all. I spent a lot of time walking our dog. Thank God for our dog at that point. (laughs) Um, Jeff was experiencing his own set of questions. We were both feeling very unsure about our future, and of course, this created a lot of feelings of insecurity, doubt, and loss. Have you ever found yourself questioning who you were and what life lay ahead of you? I'm sure you have, because I don't think there is a person out there who is not at some point or another questioned who they are, what their purpose is, and what lies ahead. I'm sure each of you could share a story of a time when you experienced the same kind of feeling of insecurity, doubt, loss. I could list several different emotions and feelings that go into that. So I want to pause for just a moment and have you think about a time when you may have felt that those feelings of insecurity, doubt, loss. Just think about it for a second.
Now, as you recall those moments in your life, I'd like us to consider what might have been going on in the lives of the Israelites in the story we heard read today. See if we can find compassion for them in the midst of their story. The Israelites had, had spent several years, um, several hundred years, in Egypt. For the majority of that time, they were slaves to the Egyptians. Our story today is set in a time period right after the Israelites had been led by God through Moses out of Egypt and through the dramatic and miraculous parting of the Red Sea. So far, God has delivered them for, from slavery. He's provided manna or bread from heaven so they would not starve. And as we saw a couple of weeks ago, Jeff shared about how God provided water for the people of um, Israel out of a rock after Moses requested some help. God has also delivered them from attack from Amalek. And the Israelites had journeyed from Egypt to Mount Sinai, and that is where we find the Israelites in today's story. They were camping at the base of Mount Sinai while Moses traveled up the mountains and was gone for 40 days. Here's what it says. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So what's going on here? Often when we read this story, we immediately judge the Israelites for what they're, they're doing. Um, you may be thinking even right now, how could they have experienced and witnessed all of these miraculous things that God had done for them and already lost their faith? As we read it, we can be critical of their short-sightedness, their forgetfulness. But think back for a moment to the picture we created in the beginning of this message, the feelings we thought about when we grew insecure, when we doubted where God was, or grieved something that we were losing had lost. Can we find compassion for what they are experiencing At this moment, the Israelites are forgetting who they are and whose they are. Like them, in our insecurities, we forget our identity as children of God. They had left the only home they knew, even if they had been slaves there. They followed Moses into a land they didn't know where their only resource for water and food came from a guy who was carrying a big stick. And now that guy, well, he wasn't anywhere to be found. He had disappeared. When I really think about it, I can understand why they were feeling pretty insecure and why at this moment the Israelites were having a bit of an identity crisis. In a lot of commentaries, we read that Israelites had grown impatient. And yes, I can understand why we read it this way. It seems like they're being impatient. But where does that impatience come from? I believe it was way way more than that. 
Let's really think about what they were experiencing and consider how we would have felt in a moment like this. We really aren't any different, are we? When we are going through transitions of new seasons of our lives, or when we are experiencing loss or grief, when we struggle to remember who we are and whose we are, we struggle um, to remember all that God has done in our lives. We only think about that moment, our discomfort, our loss, our desire to feel secure again. We start looking for what will make us feel better. We look for leaders that we think will solve our problems. And the Israelites had been following Moses as their leader. And now they had lost confidence in him because he wasn't anywhere around to be found. We tend to do the same thing. We put our security in the people we can see rather than in the one that we know has been our hope before. Think about it. When we feel insecure in the world, we look to the government to solve our problems. When we feel insecure in our church, we expect the bishop or the pastor to swoop in and fix things. Or the reverse may be true, and we look somewhere to a completely other entity to find our relief. The Israelites, in their desire to find relief, went to Aaron to come up with what solution they needed. And here's how he responded. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took these from them, formed them in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. What do you see happening here? In their insecurities, they utilize what they have to create their own identity. Aaron tells them to bring what they have, have and share it with him. And ironically, the gold that they brought to him were gifts that they received from the Egyptians as they were leaving Egypt. Out of these gifts, they try to create their own identity and their own security. They create something that then they turn into an idol, their own God. It's something physical and tangible that they put their trust in. What things do we have that we put our trust in? What things become our idols of identity and security? Our money, our church, our doctrine, our ministries, our jobs, even our families can be things in and of themselves that are gifts from God. But however, we put our trust, we often turn these into what is meant for good, into something that we put our trust in first, rather than finding our security and our identity in who we are and whose we are, God's people. Let's consider our building for a moment. 
we can all agree that this is a beautiful building that has great capacity to do many things. It's a wonderful facility. It has great spaces that we could utilize in a variety of different ways. But if we put our identity and security in the building and forget that we are first and foremost children of God, then what is our good is our building anyway. If we don't share it with the community without fear of what might happen to it, we are making the building more important than the reason we even have the building. We do this with other things as well. For instance, if we become so focused on putting our security and our identity in the laws or the rules that we follow, our Wesleyan theology, But forget the first and foremost, we are followers and witnesses to Jesus' saving grace. What good is our doctrine to anyone? If we have a hundred wonderful activities and programs, but they don't come from God, how do we really witness to the world? If we each bring the gifts we have, but we use them for our own glory, for our own self-worth, to build their own personal security, then we, like the Israelites, are creating idols and forgetting who we are and whose we are. Consider the last line of the previous verses we shared a minute ago. It said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the next part of the text says this. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. Say what? The golden calf did not bring them out of Egypt. In their insecurities, they were rewriting the truth of their identity. They were rewriting the story of who they were. They weren't the people of the golden calf. They were the people of God, chosen and rescued by him. The story tells us that they were praising and celebrating an object of their own making. They had taken the gold out of their own ears, something tangible, and created a statue that looked like a cow and began worshiping it. They had decided to praise an object and declared that they belonged to this object because of their extreme insecurity. They feared their own own story enough that they were creating something that gave them temporary relief. We can't judge them for this because we do it too. When we put our worth in our building, in our denomination, in our country, in our political values, our jobs, the story we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel more Secure. 
We aren't the people of 100 Country Club Drive or Faith Community United Methodist Church. We are the people of God, chosen and rescued by him. That is where our value and our worth comes from. That is whom we find our security and identity. Anything else is rubbish. Are you feeling the sting a little bit? Are you feeling the weight of what the Israelites were doing? Can we not hear the story and understand why we hear this response from God? The Lord said to Moses, go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for for themselves an image of the calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who you brought up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I might consume them. And of you I will make a great nation." We often read this text like this and begin to make assumptions about God, how vengeful and harsh he seems. But does God not have a right to be angry with them, with us? Had he not just rescued his people from the hands of their slave masters and brought them miraculously out of that place? How would you have felt If you had done all these wonderful things for someone, only for them to go tell the world that an inanimate object of their own design and making had done it. Really, does God not have a right to be a little angry with them, with us? Do we not bear the image of God? We, we understand what anger feels like, and that is part of our image of God. That is an emotion that he gave us and that he himself feels. But that's not where the story ends, and we are not left in God's anger as we read on. But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and, and, his God, and said, O oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants. How you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. There are two really important things to take out of this piece. First, In our insecurities, we need a mediator to intercede on our behalf. Moses knew that this is not what God wanted. Moses knew the story and God's promise, and he personally had experienced God's saving grace. 
He also knew what insecurity felt like. Moses had already put aside his feelings of insecurity to faithfully obey God when he asked Moses to lead his people out of Egypt through that sea. And in this knowledge and personal experience, Moses interceded on behalf of the people of Israel, God's own chosen people. His words to God were like a defense attorney's closing statements, where he retells the story to the judge and the jury when he pleads for leniency and mercy on behalf of his client. That is what Moses was doing in this moment. He wasn't saying to God that he didn't have a right to be angry, but asking for mercy and compassion for his people. We can see this same kind of intercession in Jesus as he hung on the cross and said these words. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God in his full glory, in the perfect relationship of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit provides all we need. God knows that we need an intercessor. He provided one for the Israelites in Moses, and he has provided all of us with Jesus. And look what happens next. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. God does not bring disaster on his people. In our insecurities, God calls us his beloved. God shows his true character. That character is merciful in his anger. He's loving. He's kind. He's forgiving. He's full of grace full of compassion. God is willing to set aside his anger to save us from ourselves. Can a golden calf do this? For the next time, so the next time you're feeling lost, lonely, afraid of the future, fearing the unknown, wondering if we're safe, or whatever fear that may enter our minds, recognize and remember this, that even in our insecurities, our identity is as children of God. We belong to him. This is our truth. Jesus intercedes on our behalf, and God shows mercy and compassion for his beloved which is all of us. Remember this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I think now I will just say that we're singing the next song. Let's let, please stand <laughs> for our closing hymn, My Hope is Built.
solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let us remember that in those times when we grow insecure, feeling unsafe, lost, whatever those feelings of insecurity that bring to us, let us always remember that on Christ is where our solid ground is. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.